Vivek Obroy, I mean, I'm just absolutely thrilled to see you. Most importantly, it's wonderful to see you face to face and give you a real hug as opposed I know, to a virtual man. hug. <laughs> I miss that. I missed uh, hanging out with you in person, man. You know, you you look a million bucks, so I can't yeah. say this about you at all. <laughs> but, but you know, I suddenly said 20 years, my oh my, you know, it's unbelievable. And what a ride it's been. Knowing you, I'm sure you're not going to get stuck in nostalgia because you have a firm eye on the present and the future. That is right. But it must look nice. I mean, sometimes we've got to enjoy our spoils. I think we are all very hard on ourselves. And it must look like a, you know, seem like a wonderful ride when you look back. That's a really poignant thing you said that, you know, because we have such a firm focus on what's ahead on the road, we rarely look back uh, at the road that we've traveled through the rearview mirror. And this has been a strange opportunity when suddenly my team reached out and said, sir, you're completing 20 years on 12th of April. I was like, what? 20 years? Two decades? You know, because you're used to doing that for other people, right? You're used to reaching out to co-stars, people who've, you know, done that milestone before you and reaching out, calling them, wishing them or putting out a message on social media saying congratulations of, you know, two decades of, uh, of a fabulous career. But when it's your own situation, it forces you to stop for a moment, breathe, evaluate. And even for a guy like me who's, you know, working every day, pragmatic, it made me nostalgic. It made me go back to so many things. Because if you ask me, Rishi, I don't feel like it's 20 years. Because, like, where did it go? When did it happen? You know, like they say that when you're having fun, you don't realize how fast time flies. And it's truly been that to me. Like, if you ask me, I remember, like, yesterday, my first day at company. You know, the first day of shooting. I remember, like, yesterday, my audition. I remember, like, yesterday, the first day of shooting in Satya, for example. All those crazy Doesn't moments. Shad live somewhere he, here? He lives right across here. I remember coming for a biryani party yeah. here. <laughs> and since you mentioned Satya, yeah. sorry to interrupt, yeah, yeah, since no. you mentioned Satya. No, he lives, he lives uh, right here. And I remember, uh, uh, I, re I remember how that happened. I remember both of us were celebrating that, you know, he got his break, which was Satya. Yeah, I got my break, which was company, and he was supposed to shoot it with somebody else. And then um, uh, we were, we had a party actually. Both of us actually had a party for each other just to celebrate the fact that we both career take off. We both have struggled a lot in life. Him as an assistant to Mani sir, and you know me as an assistant to a lot of people and uh, struggler just generally. And then eventually uh, he called me one morning uh, after the shoot of company had started, and he said uh, actually one night, not even morning. He was like, I need to meet you, and I was like, I can't. And he was like, No, I need to meet you. I need to meet you. And I was like, Dude. I'm shooting. So he said, to shoot jitne bhi pack up kar, mil. So I packed up my shoot, very conscious of the fact that I have to wake up early, look good, it's my first film. You know, that whole initial story, the nervousness. And I reached his house right here. Uh, and I said, Kya hai? Kya hua? He says, Yeah, you have to help me. I said, Kya hua? He said, The actors walked out on my project wow. on Satya. Yeah. So uh, if you don't do it, it'll shut down. I said, well, how can I do it? I've just started. I've put my first step into company. He's like, no, you have to say yes. I'll adjust the dates. I'll work everything else around it. But you have to say yes. I was like, Shad, you're asking the impossible. I can't do that. You know, I, 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 I have a responsibility to do this film. He's like, you calm it. You film the original. So we went upstairs to, you know, his floor, sat together and watched Alay Pai there. Wow. The original. On a VHS. On a VHS, exactly. <laughs> On a VHS. We popped it in and watched it. At the end of it, I was in tears because it was such an emotional film. I said, dude. 
have to do this film. How do I do it? And then we started that journey. It was crazy. You know, it's crazy because one of my colleagues from a retro radio station is is also scheduled to do an interview, and I'm going. Why is a retro station interview vacant? Because for me, I'm still thinking Inside Edge. I'm still thinking Lucifer. I'm still thinking, you know, you're the you're the leading man of the current current generation. But yeah, I mean, it it has been that long, and there's such wonderful, wonderful memories. I remember, for example, you just really being thrilled when Gulzar Saab appreciated what you did. Uh, you know, in Omkara, and you know, there was such a big thing. Yeah. You know, being part of a Vishal Bardwaj film, somebody who understands Western ethos as well as Indian ethos, like you, a Shakespeare remake. Right. That's yeah. got to be another big highlight. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think Omkara was for me so many things. I remember Omkara was. I just had a very, um, very public breakup. and i'd refuse to speak about it and a lot of conversation was happening especially when you know when you don't speak and clarify the air there's a lot of conjecture but i'd refuse to do that i said no i have to remain a gentleman and i will not speak about it and at that moment i remember driving to wai because that's where the that set of omkara was it was like a little village built across some 40 50 acres of land right on on the banks of this beautiful um lake and you felt like you were there i mean the weather was amazing the place was incredible and i just switched off from the outer world i didn't even know what was going on here in mumbai because i went into that with complete surrender and remember playing cashis so which is kesu kesu pirangi um and vishal bhai keep kept telling me he was like i i know you really want to play langra tyagi i was like that's the role man it's langra tyagi i remember very funny incident out of jest of course langra tyagi was due to shoot and vishal bhai kept telling saif that saifu This long hair of yours is just not going to work. Because Seth had long hair those yeah. days. It was the days of race, I think. Uh, and he said, uh, "You have to cut your hair." And he was like, "No, I can't cut my hair." There was a big argument on this. That I can't cut my hair. I can't look. I mean, can you imagine Lagna Thakur with long hair? And Seth kept saying uh, he can't. And apparently, there was like a stalemate there. And I remember once jokingly walking up to Seth and saying, "Dude, this is one of the finest roles I've ever read." So. If you don't cut your hair, I'm going to shave my head bald and go and audition for this. You know, I'm going to go tell them cast me. And Vishal Bhai kept saying, "No, you're my Kesu. You're you're not old enough for your langra thi agi. I I need a different maturity for him. I'm like, I can do mature. Tell me what you want because I love that role." And then he kept telling me, "You wait. You'll win an award for this." And that's what happened. I didn't realize because I never thought that Kesu would have that kind of impact that I would win awards for that performance. And when I did, I remember from stage acknowledging him that saying that. No, you said that, and I didn't believe it. And thank you for believing in me uh, for Kesu. That was an amazing experience. It was like a fun family story. So many anecdotes. Lovely. And Ram Gopal Verma, in that aspect, was a, a strong influence in the early part of your career. I mean, if you look at the company trajectory, Rakta Charitra, you know these these kind of films. And this was a time when Ramu himself was revolutionizing Indian cinema. Yeah. He was the forefront of it. Yeah. And here were you, you know, uh, at the forefront of that movement. Of course, now Ramu will just joke about it and laugh about it, which is nice. I think it's. A, It's nice if we don't take his, uh, ourselves that seriously. Absolutely, I mean, I, I love his self-effacing <laughs> yeah, humor. Correct. But it's not today. He's been like that from the time I've known wow, him. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Yeah, so uh, that was an himself. interesting phase, wasn't it? I mean, the factory was, was really the factory in a lot of senses. Yeah. They, there was a lot of buzz around that yeah. place. Writers, directors, and because you're such a 360-degree film mind, you must have enjoyed working with all departments. I mean, it was an incredible place. It was today's keyword: disruption. Mm. You know, uh, at that time. Two decades ago, it was disruption happening. People had never imagined cinema like that, stories like that, ideas like that. And here was this trailblazer, Ram Gopal Verma, doing stuff like that. You know, he'd come from his 
Shiva and Rangila, which in itself were trailblazing. And then when he did Satya, Company, Sarkar, he just switched things around so brilliantly and people were like, what is going on? And, and I think that gave birth to a lot of talent. Uh, he's responsible for putting a lot of talent out there, um, including me. And having fun while doing so. He never took himself seriously. He never thought about the results of the box office and he never thought about it. He just was in the moment creating. You know, it was just like this fountainhead of creativity. And I remember going into a single screen to watch a company and, you know, it was just the, the whole juxtaposition of Ajay Devgan, the strong, silent type, and you, just so explosive, because that's that's what Chandu was. And uh, I, I think it was just an ideal vehicle for you to explode on, yeah. in that sense. Yeah. And coming as it did, along with Satya, which was you to, in a totally different avatar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think, I to me, that was a dream start, where you could get to show romance as well as angst. Yeah, you know, uh, Rishi, I mean, yes, it, it seems like that, but they were actually quite far apart. Hmm. So, April was when company released 2002 and Satya released December 2002. They were that far apart. Wow. Um, so, it was in the same calendar. In hindsight, it always looks Yeah. So, it was that far apart. The second thing was that um, when I did company, what it is perceived as today as this cult film and this very interesting unconventional debut, it was the absolute opposite of that. Every quote-unquote well-wisher in the industry, mine or dad's, came up and said, you're making a mistake. You know, you're destroying wow. his career. Where is Where are the designer clothes? Where's the dancing? You, you forget that I entered the industry at a time where bound scripts, if you asked for one, you were considered to have attitude. Oh, bound script, you know, it, it, it was one of those things. And at that time, to do a debut like that, to, to play with the skin tone, mess the hair, have these Kolapuri chappals, non-designer clothing, not have a song, not have a sequence where you're you know, riding a horse with an AK-47 in your hand, not having all of that, uh, and just playing true to the character was really unconventional. But when it became a success, of course, everybody turned around and said, oh, what a smart move, you know, he, it was a clutter breaker, you know, he turned around. So, when I was doing Sathya, I was told the same, it's like you're making a mistake. You, you should not be doing that. Now, you should only do action films. You've been, you know, accepted as an action hero. When Sathya became a success, everybody said, only romance. And when I did Masti, they said, mistake. So, I stopped listening. I just wow. said, I'm going to go out there and play, have fun. It's going to be my playground. I'm just going to keep expressing myself as an artist. And then there's the showman. I mean, there's Mr. Ghai. Yeah. This was a time, an era when he had worked with the Who's Who from Dilip Kumar to Raj Kumar Saab. And of course, uh, you know, Shah Rukh. And here were you as a leading man in a, in a Subhash Ghai film. And in a lot of se uh, sense, in a true sense, I think a lot of people said you've arrived. Yeah. You know, because yeah. the Ramu and the uh, Shah Ali experience was still, you know, edgy, non-mainstream. And here's yeah. a mainstream director. And uh, there must have been huge press. There must have been a lot of, uh, yeah. of attention around that. Uh, there was a time where post Ram Gopal Verma and Shad Ali, uh, post those films, I had signed up a, a film with uh, Mani Ratnam. I had signed up a film with Mr. Subhash Ghai. I had signed up a film with Shekhar Kapoor, which was Pani originally. Uh, I had signed up a film with Yashraj and I had signed up a film with Dharma. Wow. So that was... that Just was covers the whole business. That was yeah. the time. And it was an exciting time. I was very fortunate to have worked with some of these great institutions. And with Mr. Ghai, it was always done with aplomb. He has um, 
uh, every year he announces on his anniversary the film. So this was it. There was this big, huge do. I think Rithik literally did the whole handover almost like a like a relay because he had just come off a film with Mr. Guy. Mr. Guy's last film, Yade, was with Rithik. And then, you know, he and me and Mr. Guy together were on stage uh, to announce Kisna. Uh, and it was an amazing experience. It was an amazing experience. I, I still uh, have so many fans, especially from overseas, who write to me about why they loved Kisna so much. And I feel that it was unlike uh, Subhashji's cinema. He was trying to reinvent himself and it was something very unconventional and people expected there to be more mass entertainment, masala, which I think was lacking in the film at that time. Uh, otherwise, I think Kisna would have been an even bigger success. Taking to comedy, I mean, today you look at the Masti series and you look at Masti and a lot of people say, you know, cult comedy. But again, right. there was an era where people said, you know, toilet humor, this, yeah, that, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. I think ultimately history doesn't respect fly-by-night operators. You right. know, ultimately the, the work stands out. So making that foray into comedy and getting into that genre. It was a very difficult choice for me. In fact, uh, I remember saying no to the film multiple times. Wow. I remember uh, saying, it's not my space. Comedy, I understand, but slapstick comedy, um, comedy with innuendo, a sexual comedy, that kept niggling at me, saying that I'm not comfortable with this space. I, and then I asked myself as an actor, I was like, I need to challenge myself. I need to say to myself, I can do this too. I can play slapstick. I can do this level of comedy. I don't have to do dry wit. You know, I can I can play this too. Um, so that conflict was going on in my head. I remember I was shooting for Yuva in Chennai, and I remember Induji and Milap, who had written the film, Tushar, who had written the film, flew down, and one of the days post backup sat down and gave me a narration, which was what the tradition in those days was. And when they gave me a full narration, I actually remember falling off my chair. Like, it's an expression that we've used a million times, you know, saying, oh, I fell off my chair laughing. But that was the first time it happened to me, that I actually fell off the sofa laughing in my suite when they narrated it to me. And I was like, this is insane. I slept the night on it. And the next morning before they flew back, I said, I want to I push this. I want to try and do this. I want to push myself to, to do this. And, um, and that's how Masti happened. Awesome. You know, what I love is there's always been a very strong social consciousness. We'll come back to cinema, but I wanted to take a break at this point of time. I was reading just today in the morning, you know, I, I go through various sites to get my news. Gone are the days when we have only one or two newspapers. And I said, you know, uh, here's Vivek who's trying to sponsor two girls in Dharavi, sponsor their education. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, perhaps I'm... I'm I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's a wonderful legacy that you've got from your, your mother and your yeah, father. Yeah. Throughout your career, you've always used your position to work in the social sector, whether it's the upliftment of the girl child or certain causes that are very close to your heart and that continues to the day. Well, yes, social impact is a very, very big pillar and it's a fundamental in my life. I mean. Um, I, I truly believe and I realized that very early in my career that I, I remember the moment actually when I realized it. I was going through a very difficult time in my career and personally and uh, I was in that typical why me, you know, where you start to, uh, um, you know, victimize yourself, right? You, vic you, 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 you feel a sense of victimhood that, you know, this is happening to me, what have I done? I remember my mom having a conversation with me that day and saying, uh, come with me. She drove me to Tata Memorial Hospital. 
and that changed my life that day. I walked in and I went to see the children who were fighting cancer, the pediatric wing. And two things I noticed that day, Rishi. The first thing I noticed was that my problems were not even problems. Look at these guys, they're seven, eight-year-old children who've lost their hair, their eyes are bloodshot red, their parents are standing sullen in a corner, putting everything they have, they own at risk to try and revive this child, save the life of this child. I mean, those are problems. Those are problems and I didn't. I had my health. I had, I had so many blessings from the divine. I counted my blessings those days and said, oh my God, I'm so much more fortunate. Look what these children are teaching me. The second thing that I learned was when I walked in, I didn't need to carry anything with me. I didn't need to say anything. I just walked in and everybody in that room started smiling. They were so excited to see me. I said, gosh, I've been blessed with such an immense ability to be able to make pain go away for a moment, to wipe tears, to make people smile. What am I doing with this ability? Why am I only doing it on screen? Why am I not doing this more? I just started doing things where I started visiting the pediatric wing and uh, reading stories to the kids, doing an enactment of a scene, just, just fun stuff. And then I started celebrating my birthday with them every year and to this year, every single year now, last 19 years, I celebrate with my, my birthday with children who are survivors, who I've met over the last 19 years and who fought cancer and children who are fighters, who are fighting cancer today. And that's how I celebrate and I really enjoy it. So it fulfills me. That extends even into my business. When I realized that social impact can be scaled by working with startups who can create positive social impact, we started doing that. And those businesses have really, really scaled too. And I believe in that ethos so strongly that it resonates with not only my portfolio, but who I am. Wonderful. You know, I look at the love that Lucifer has got. Yeah. I mean, not just relatives from Tamil Nadu, but you know, the, the Malayalam fraternity up north, yeah. there are memes being made on your character, you know, there are pictures. It's almost as though nobody wants to forget that film. It's yeah. been what, two years and some, yeah. three years, you know, yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. It's been more than three years now, three years. Yeah, and, and now that we've talked about the past, there's so much that one can talk about the past. One can also go into Yuva and you know, how it was a shapeshifter in terms of what yeah. society is. But I want to come to the fact that to me, you've always been the guy who can go to a five-star hotel and have a, a you know, a kudi resistance you know, kind of a, of a meal and also sit at a chai ki tapri or outside Mitibai College Correct. and have your vada pao. And I see you equally at ease with the modern minds, whether it's a Karan Anshuman with Inside Edge. Right. You know, you see these guys in Malayalam cinema who yeah. don't have the kind of money that the Allu Arjuns and the bunnies of this world have. Yeah. But they're just hustling day in, day out, brilliant minds. Yeah. Uh, so working with this generation must be so enriching. I mean, no disrespect to the showman Subhaj Ghai. And Shahad, of course, is still around. And, and so many of those other great directors, Ramu. But this must be so invigorating for you. Absolutely spot on. I mean, I, I feel these are the disruptors of today. Like a Lucifer comes out with a, a, a Malayalam budget, but breaks across languages and ends up breaking all financial collection records for Malayalam cinema. It's still probably the, yeah, it is the highest grossing Malayalam film ever of all time. And the reason it did that was because Prithviraj was daringly different. He said, I'm going to break this. And when he narrated, I, I remember he wanted me to do the film. And I was saying, Raju, how do I do this? You know, the, the language is the most difficult language. I had done Tamil, I had done Telugu. I had done Kannada, I think, by then. But then 
Malayalam was this last bastion, this this barrier. So I got a call from Lal Eaton and uh, Mohan Lal said to me, you know, uh, you know, you did your debut with me in company and I want your debut Malayalam film to be with me too. So that was an emotional uh, moment and a lovely one, lovely touch. And then there was Prithviraj who literally was shooting somewhere as an actor and in the middle of that shooting called me for a narration on the phone and was narrating the film to me on the phone because it the English adaptation of the Malayalam script was difficult to understand. So he was narrating the whole film to me over phone and wow. at the end of it I said, I've never done something like this before and uh, maybe I want to push this boundary too. And that's when I did it. I think Bobby was one of the most difficult roles of my career. It was very, very difficult to play because it was, you were opposite the legendary Mohanlal. You were opposite incredible performers um, across Malayalam cinema, Manju Warrior, I mean, look at her, every frame she holds. So in there, I had to be there and, uh, and, and play with subtlety and yet play this guy who's almost larger than life, Bobby. And it's amazing now because wherever I am, whenever especially I visit uh, the UAE, uh, and I'm walking Which is half of Kerala. <laughs> whenever I'm walking there, it'll be this moment where uh, I'm doing my thing and suddenly from the back I'll hear, Bobby. Yeah, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby. And then I'll turn around and there's you know, some guy, some girl wanting a picture. Bobby, Bobby, one selfie, Bobby, Bobby. <laughs> so like, beautiful. Okay. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And Inside Edge and now currently you're shooting Dharavi. You see, the thing with, with the OTT format is, I think too much is made of scale and large screen. All that is fine. Yeah. And initially people said, you know, if you want a spectacle, a very Star Wars, Baubali kind of thing, people will go into the theatres. And for the rest, it's going to be this. And all of a sudden you see a Kashmir Files, which is just pure content, yeah, yeah. suddenly doing well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I, I, I think I've, I've now stopped predicting what's going to happen in yeah. this and that. I'm just saying, yeah. wherever you get good content, watch just it. Just experience it. It's just yeah. experience it. doesn't it. matter. The medium doesn't yeah. matter. The, the, the scale doesn't matter. The content does. True, true. Yeah. But, but it's a great time, even for OTT. Isn't I mean, it? Wow. I, I just finished shooting Dharavi Bank, yeah. which again yeah. is really super exciting. Uh, uh, it reunites me with Anna. Anna is playing the main antagonist in it and I play the lead. Uh, we've got Sonali Kulkarni, a bunch of really good actors. Uh, and Samit Kakkar, who's a fine director who just did Indori Ishq. Um, he's kind of held the thread beautifully. Um, doing something which I'm shooting right now, which I can't speak about, but it's probably scale-wise India's biggest show yet. So uh, that's super exciting too. Uh, so it's fun to do something at that end of the spectrum where OTTs are willing to take that kind of leap and put that kind of money behind a vision. Uh, doing an interesting film just after that uh, with one of the finest um, love storytellers uh, in India. So I'm excited about that too. Uh, so it's an exciting time. I think this year I'm probably doing more work, Rishi, than I've done in any one of my 20 years of my career. It's interesting. I'm doing seven films and series put together. When you came into studio for before Inside Edge, nobody knew what Amazon, Netflix, this, that was about. But, you know, you spoke with such conviction, I still remember it. And who was to know this is going to be exploded yeah, like this, man? Because even that was the forerunner of its generation, of its time. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it was cricket, it was OTT, it was internet. When I was doing it, people said, are you mad? What is Prime Video? Why are you doing this? This is like such a come down for you. And I was like, I was probably one of the first mainstream stars yeah. to say, no, no, this is the future. There's something here. And I'm just glad I did, man. Uh, Emmy nomination, a bunch of awards, um, just for taking that risk, I guess. The future is so bright. Vivek Oberoi has to wear shades. <laughs> <laughs> Brother, this is so much fun. Always Cheers. a pleasure, man.